Thank you very much, my dear listener, for choosing our station. This is a new life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. And we present to some of Mahangi. Today we'll be having a Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. The story is about Daniel tells the future. Thereafter, we'll be having Brother Ian Mose talk about worshipping God in truth and spirit. That will be during the Bible segment. To start off, here's a song, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart, by Gracious Singers. What a wonderful change in my life has been brought Since Jesus came into my heart I have light in my soul for which no God has sought Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into To my heart, and my sins, which are many, are all washed away. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, lights of joy on my soul, like the sea billows roar. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, and no doubt, clouds of doubt, now my path will obscure. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, lights of joy on my soul, like the sea billows roar. Since Jesus came into my heart, and the gates of the city beyond I can see. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, that's of joy on my soul, let the sea be lost. It is now time to welcome the Bible in Living Sound to share with us. Karibu. What does it all mean, Daniel? 
An image made of different metals and a stone of magic that knocks the image to pieces. His majesty is a great king, for the God of heaven hath given thee the kingdom of Babylon. He hath given thee power and strength and glory above all the kings. Wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of heaven hath God given unto thy hands to rule over them all. My kingdom is a worldwide kingdom, and I am powerful. My glory exceeds that of any other man or king. I rule the world. Nebuchadnezzar, king of all Babylon, thou art this head of gold. The golden head of that huge image I dreamed of represents me? Thee and thy kingdom, your majesty, are represented by the golden head. Gold is the most precious of all metals, and Babylon is the richest of all nations. Yes, I see. Babylon shall fall, O Nebuchadnezzar, and another kingdom shall take its place. An inferior nation, even as silver, is inferior to gold. Babylon fall? It shall come to pass. But why, Daniel? Why? O king, if you and the kings that follow you upon the throne of Babylon would exalt the true God and worship him, Babylon would never fall until the time of the end. But thou, O king, and the kings after thee shall make God their refuge and their strength only when harassed and perplexed. But Daniel, I recognize and acknowledge that your God is the only living God with power to give thrones and take them away. As long as you reverence and obey the king of kings, your throne is assured. But, O king, those that come after you will forget God, and the kingdom shall be taken away from them and given to another. And that kingdom shall also fall to a kingdom likened unto brass, and it shall bear rule over all the earth. The legs of iron of the image represents yet another kingdom, the fourth. The iron, does it have any special meaning? Iron is strong and hard. It breaketh into pieces all other things. So shall this fourth kingdom rule with an iron hand and break into pieces nations and tongues and peoples. So far, your interpretation, Daniel, of the dream I had is reasonable and will probably come to pass just as you have said. But, Daniel, does it have to be? Does Babylon have to come to an end, and the other nations? The Lord God of heaven is just, loving, long-suffering, and a forgiving God. He is anxious that all confess and forsake their sins. If thou, O king, and thy people were to do this, and the kings after thee, keep always the love of God before them, Babylon would never end. I, I think I understand, Daniel. And the toes of the image, you said they were... Partly iron and partly clay. The kingdom of iron shall be divided into ten kingdoms, even as the legs are divided into ten toes. They shall be partly strong, like iron, and partly weak, like clay. Yes, I see. They shall not cleave together, even as clay cannot be mixed with iron. How, how far in the future is all this, Daniel? Thou, O Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, art the first kingdom, the head of gold. The ten kingdoms of the toes are the last kingdoms. The last kingdoms? You mean there will be no more kingdoms at all? No, king. The stone cut out of the mountain without hands shall break them into pieces and they shall be no more. Oh, yes, that magic stone. Just what is it, Daniel? Or who? In the days of the ten kings shall the God of heaven set up his kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. His kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Scribe, Princes, all members of my court here present, I, Nebuchadnezzar, great king of Babylon, do command you to bow the knee before Daniel. <laughs> of a truth, Daniel, your God is a God of gods, a Lord of lords, 
and a revealer of secrets, seeing he has revealed unto thee the secrets of the future. My court may arise. Long live Daniel, wisest of the wise and a revealer of secrets. Long live Daniel, wisest of the wise and a revealer of secrets. Scribe, write upon a scroll and send messengers throughout all Babylon that I, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, do hereby decree that Daniel shall henceforth be ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over the wise men of Babylon. What are we to do? It's all your fault. Fine. You were chief of the wise men, remember. You suggested that we not summon Daniel whenever the king requested our presence. Remember that. Yes, but what has that got to do with what happened? Had we accepted Daniel as one of us and included him in conferences with the king, we could have taken part of the credit for Daniel's telling and interpreting of the king's dream. We would have shared in the gifts and rewards and position given Daniel. Now we have nothing. Daniel is to rule over us. He is next in power to the king himself. Oh. And Daniel's three friends, even they have more position and power than we do. I was chief of the wise men and counselors. Daniel stole that from right under my nose. That proves how wise he is. Oh, it proves we owe Daniel a debt and we're going to pay it. <laughs> Gratitude. Gratitude? Uh, the opposite, revenge. And he'll get it in full measure. How, pray tell? Now think of a way. Oh, well, if I were you, I wouldn't tangle with Daniel more than I had to. The history of Israel, their deliverance from bondage in Egypt, their conquest of Canaan, and many, many other incidents tend to prove that their God is still living and powerful. What? That God uses his power in Daniel's behalf. That's not true. It can't be. If Israel's God is still their God, how is it that Babylon reduced Jerusalem and the other cities of Israel to ashes? I don't hmm? know and I don't care. If I were you and as wise as you claim to be, oh. I would leave Daniel strictly alone. It is true that Jerusalem, all Israel, lies in ruins. It is also true that there are thousands upon thousands of Israelites here in our country as captives. Now, couldn't it be possible that the Israel God raised up Daniel so as to give the thousands of his people here hope for the future and keep alive their faith in him? Oh, oh that's idiotic nonsense. I will have revenge upon Daniel and his three companions. You can be sure of that. <laughs> I have it. You have what? I thought of a way to get even with Daniel and at the same time put ourselves back into favor with the king. I warned you, don't forget that to tangle with Daniel is dangerous. He's wise and quick to take advantage of every little opportunity. Uh, but this plan I have is foolproof. Uh, absolutely foolproof. Nothing can go wrong. Yes, perhaps, but I doubt it. At first, I... Yes. First, I'll solicit the help of the chief priest of the Babylonian state guard. Together, we'll go before the king, and that, my dear magician, will be the beginning of the end of Daniel. <laughs> I hope that you've indeed enjoyed that story from the Bible in Living Sound. Remember to send us your views or comments about the program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box, 42276-00-100 Nairobi, Kenya. You can also drop us an email at awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now listen to gracious singers with the song Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. 
world is waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Adventist Old Radio, the voice of hope. Hope that you're enjoying the program from wherever you are. It is now time for the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Brother Ian. Uh, greetings, dear listener, and welcome to our study today. The topic of our study is worshiping God in truth and in spirit. It is based on the book of John, chapter 4, verse 24. The last conflict over worship is actually the grand finale to a long drama that began in heaven before man was even created. The author of rebellion inaugurated this creature versus creator, war when he coveted the creator's throne. Lucifer, a created angel, decided his superior beauty and intelligence qualified him to better rule the universe than his creator. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 to 14. Working with the stealthy deceit, he launched his campaign for the affections of the angels and was successful in attracting one-third of them. 
Revelation chapter 12 verse 4 to 9 demanding their adoration due only the creator these created angels tried to bully their way onto God's throne this forced God to take drastic measures Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 records there was war in heaven to protect the existence of the universe God forcibly removed Satan and his angels from heaven but this was only the beginning of Satan's campaign for worship that would last thousands of years and cost millions of lives. Cast to earth, Satan next solicited Adam and Eve's worship and service. And it is by understanding our first parents' test over worship that we learn how to keep from worshiping the beast in the last days. Why did Eve eat the fruit of the forbidden tree? Simply because she lacked trust in God. She trusted the serpent's word more than her creator's. Adam also distrusted God, but unlike Eve, he was not deceived. 1 Timothy 2 verse 14 Adam's decisions to eat the forbidden fruit was a conscious, deliberate choice. He could not dream of life without Eve. Worse yet, he did not trust God to come up with an acceptable solution to deal with Eve's disobedience that would leave him happy throughout eternity. Our first parents' distrust led them to disobey and their disobedience became an act of worship of the serpent. You see, worship and obedience are synonyms. To whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Romans chapter 6 verse 16 When tempted by the devil to bow down and worship him, Jesus revealed that the act of worship is married to service and obedience. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Matthew chapter 4 verse 10 When Adam and Eve trusted the lies of the serpent above the command of God, they entered into creature worship. They truly worshipped the beast. The last conflict in the world merely brings man full circle to retake Adam and Eve's first test. Will you obey and worship the beast, or obey and worship the Creator? Both the first and the last tastes of this world's history contain the same elements. The serpent and his lies, worship, obedience versus disobedience and the penalty of expulsion from the kingdom of God. Mankind's path back to the tree of life ultimately retraces the steps of our first parents and passes through the corridor of the same test. Will we trust God enough to obey him? Only those who trustingly obey God will enter their pearly gates. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. Revelation chapter 22 verse 14 Adam and Eve's worship of the beast laid the foundation for all false worship. Examine any false religion and you will find it is based upon distrust and disobedience of God. Paul makes this point in Romans chapter 1 verse 21 to 25, New King James Version. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Whenever we know a Bible truth and refuse to obey it out of thankful hearts, we worship the creature instead of the creator. We have put our own opinion and feelings above the revealed will of our Creator, God. Fortunately, God still has people in all churches who trust their lives implicitly to Him in obedience. In fact, 
he has a message tailor-made to warn everyone of these compromises of truth and attacks against his creatorship. This warning, known as the three angels' messages, is found in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 12. The first angel's message commands people to worship God as the maker of heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Verse 7. God wants people to reverse the compromises of the Middle Ages. He wants us to obey all his commandments, especially those that honor him as creator. But obedience cannot come from our own strength. It must be rooted in faith in Jesus. Let's face it. Saturday is one of the busiest days of the week. Consequently, it takes a special faith relationship with God to obey him and keep it holy because true obedience can be accomplished only through faith in Jesus. The three angels' messages are called the everlasting gospel. Verse 6. This threefold message calls all to be righteous by faith. Righteousness simply means right doing. Doing what God has commanded. The righteousness must come from Christ through faith, and in faith is an active ingredient. Faith works. But while thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? James chapter 2 verse 20 to 22. Faith works by love, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth any thing nor uncircumcision, but faith with worketh by love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. What God really wants to produce in response to the everlasting gospel of the three angels of Revelation 14 is righteous people who have learned to love and obey him. The love of God must shape their lives and become the controlling influence in all of their decisions. They will obey God creator because they know he loves them and is worthy of their worship and obedience. This experience of righteousness by faith is what God requires in this hour of earth's history, the judgment hour. The first angel's message announces, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Revelation chapter 4 verse 7. We live in this judgment hour that was prophesied to take place right before Jesus returns. Notice that God wants us to worship him as creator during the judgment hour. Just what does this mean in a practical everyday sense? Peter makes the answer obvious. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17 to 19. Dear listener, the experience God wants his people to have in the judgment hour is one of truly trusting him as creator and committing themselves to him by doing his will. He wants them to be convinced of his faithfulness and to obey him based on, on this conviction. Such persons God calls saints in Revelation chapter 14 verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. God's saints have learned by experience that he keeps his promises. They've learned that he loves them unconditionally. He accepts them where he are and gives them his power for victory and obedience. 
God's saints have settled into the truth that God is a faithful creator. Amen. Thank you for your time, dear listener. I was your presenter, Ian Musa. We have come to the end of our show for today. Please send us your views, comments, or questions about the program by writing to the producer, Adventist Old Radio, PO Box 42276-00100 Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. I've been a host, friend, and presenter, Samuel Mang. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed. Savior died, there was some who cried.
Yeah.